the country is in danger of losing its Christian heritage. This has been the case very much in the last generation. Our generation has been mesmerized by prosperity. We, we've been allowed to think that this is somehow normal. We in the church who love to, to tell God what to do may have to, you know, sit back and listen to the still small voice. Well, welcome back to the Ask Podcast. And we're here again with Gerald Bray, and we're here again with this book, The History of Christianity in Britain and Ireland. And as I suspected last week, we only discussed about 10% of what I'd love to have discussed. Uh, but I do want to go on to the last bits, Gerald, because you bring this all up today and you give your opinions uh, backed up, I think, by the history of where we are. Mm -hmm. Can I just ask you, basically, why did you do that? Why didn't you kind of stop with, let's say, the end of the Second World War or maybe the 1960s? Why did you bring it right up to the 21st century? Well, uh, I brought it up to the 21st century because one of the reasons why I wrote the book in the first place um, was to try to stir up people to, to realize um, that uh, the country is in danger of losing its Christian heritage. Um, and this has become, been the case very much in the last generation. I mean, I was ordained in 1978, so more or less at the beginning of the last chapter. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. I've taken about 1980. And during the course of my uh, life, um, you know, my active uh, life, um, I mean, I have watched as, uh, the, you know, the Christian legacy, which we have, ha have as a country, um, has been eroded, uh, uh, derided, uh, ignored, uh, in differing uh, degrees, um, to the point where now uh, it's very much an open question as to you know where we're going. I mean, nobody really knows. Now, I don't want to be totally negative, um, but one of the things that I find very irritating about the church and the Christian world today is that everybody wants to be positive. Um, uh, you know, uh, they're always wanting to say, oh, well, we're, we're advancing here and we're growing there and we're doing something else. Whereas what they're really doing, it seems to me, is, um, of course, publishing endless books, because you can do that now quite cheaply, um, holding endless meetings, um, conferences and, and so on, um, forgetting that actually what we're doing is running around in little circles in, in our own little subculture, um, and the, the wider world it, it pays no attention uh, or has gone off in a completely different direction. And really what I'm trying to say is, hey, guys, look, wake up. Um, uh, you, you know, you're losing the country. Um, uh, you know, while, while you're running around holding hands and, um, uh, you know, having fellowship in, in, in some conference or other, maybe very nice for you, um, uh, you know, the, the country as a whole um, is abandoning everything that you believe. And if you step out of your little bubble, um, you know, you, you may suffer the consequences. Um, uh, as one or two people have found out, you know, uh, if they cross boundaries. And, um, and to imagine that we can just escape uh, all of this, I think, is very naive. Um, you know, we're getting to the point now where, for example, 
um, conversion therapy. Uh, there's a danger that this will be a ba- this will be banned, um, you know, by parliamentary legislation. And then, of course, it becomes a, a, a question of what do you mean by conversion therapy? And if if uh, if you mean preaching the gospel, just you know, uh, an evangelistic rally or something like that, um, I mean, you're basically muzzled. You're silenced. Uh, by something that you you thought you could ignore, um, and I think this is a real danger that that we face at at every level because the the, the building blocks of our culture are being transformed or taken away. Um, I mean, the whole business of same sex marriage, of transgenderism, all these things. Um, I mean, we may not like them. I mean, no one's going to force you or me to change sex. I mean, you, you know, we can stay what we are if we wish. Um, but that's not the issue. The issue is, do we have to accept, and on what basis do we have to accept those who, who do these things? Um, and mm-hmm. if we have to uh, admit them into, in, in, into Christian circles because the law says you have to do this, you know, you can't discriminate against that. And if you do, um, you know, you're liable to, to suffer consequences as a result. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people wake up one morning and say, well, I, I never thought I'd go to jail for that. Um, you know, yeah. but, but, but this is what's happening. And uh, I, I really felt the, 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 the Christian c- community needed a shot in the arm, really. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and that's why I wrote it. And I mean, it is provocative, but it's meant to be. Um, you know, so that people will people will sit up and and take notice. This, for me, is what moves your book from being excellent to brilliant. Mm. Um, I, the the last few chapters are worth the price of the book alone. Mm-hmm. You know, and the 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 last few chapters couldn't exist without the foundation of the history. Oh. But I do. I, I do think if you'd just given us the foundation of the history and left us to make our own application, it would have been like a sermon which gave great exegesis but didn't apply it to the people. Yeah. What you've done is you've applied it to us, mm-hmm. and I found it brilliant. I mean, I've been saying, p- partly because I agreed with it all, <laughs> so that was, yeah, that you know, so obviously, obviously you've got to be brilliant, haven't yeah, you, you know, yeah. but no, I, I, it's just, you, you expressed it so well. Let me give you an example here. We've got here, uh, I just thought this was a very insightful passage on page 590. With hindsight, we can see that the best way of dealing with the growing sexualization of popular culture would have been to be utterly frank about the false glorification of the human body, the degrading nature of prostitution, and the sad reality of homosexual life. But instead of exposing those things for what they are, the churches allowed themselves to be trapped in a warped sense of morality that obliged them to suppress all discussion of those evils, inevitably making them more attractive as the forbidden fruit that they became. The result, not surprisingly, was that in the end, the whole artificial edifice blew up. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's so insightful in so many ways. Mm-hmm. I used to, when I started off in ministry, I used to be invited to speak um, on things that cannot be said from the pulpit, right. which basically meant sex. Sure. And if someone would phone me up and they'd give me that title and I would say, one, what are you talking about? Because I wanted them to say the word. Mm-hmm. And the other was, why can't it be said from the pulpit? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's what you're talking about here. And we created this artificial edifice that now has blown up. I mean, 
Is that a, do you want to expand on that yeah, at all? Or is that a fair summary of what you've said? I think that's right. And um, the, the person I got that from, you know, the, the person who, who, who sort of said that to me and, and, and inspired me was Mary Whitehouse. Um, yeah. Because I, 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 she came when I was teaching in London and did a, a, a seminar and so on. And this is what she said. Um, uh, you know, and, and her campaign, um, uh, what was it? I can't remember now what it was called, but you know what I mean. The Festival, Festival of, Light. of Light. Yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, she said this is, this is the price we're paying for not, uh, you know, having been honest in the past. And, um, yeah. uh, and I think this is what we have to do. And, uh, you know, just, just uh, destroy the idol, really. Can I also say something, respond to something you said just a little bit earlier about this false optimism? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I don't think either of us want to be Jeremiah's or whatever. Although, I, no, actually, I do because I thought Jeremiah is actually quite positive. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, the, you, you know what I mean yeah. in the way that that's used. I remember Church of Scotland General Assemblies. I would go. I was in the Free Church, and we did the same thing to a lesser degree. Mm -hmm. um, you would always have reports and people standing up saying how their church was growing and so on whilst at the same time the denomination was losing 20,000 members a year mm, yes and nobody faced up to the reality of what was happening and I, and I think what your last chapters here are kind of like a clarion call to face up to both the reality of what's going on but also the solution that the gospel offers is that a fair yeah that's right assessment that's right you can't you can't solve the problem unless you diagnose it properly to begin with. Um, you know, as long as people are going to go around pretending that the problem doesn't exist, um, it's just going to get worse. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it, there's no there's no con confronting it. Um, uh, but but this is something that now has to happen, I think. Um, and I think more and more people are realizing this. Um, you know that the, the, there's a hollowness in uh, in, in liberal society, um, and in, in curious ways, it'd be very interesting to see uh, what the long-term effects of the pandemic will be. Um, I mean, I must say, when I sat down to write this chapter initially, I had no idea how I was going to conclude it. Um, you know, because where, as you say, where do you stop? You know, do I stop with yesterday or, or what? And, and then along came the coronavirus, and, I, and, uh, and this was a brilliant way to end, um, because whatever, uh, you know, is, is going to happen in the future, we know that, that this pandemic is going to change a great deal. Um, you know, we don't necessarily know yet how or what or where it will all fall out in the end, but, um, but it's a major event, uh, you know, a life-changing event uh, for our society. And, um, and and so I thought, well, this is this is where we, you know, this is a brilliant point to end at, and just say, well, where do we go from here? And I tried to say, well, this is the, this is the time when we we need a serious rethink. Um, uh, you know that the churches cannot go on um, in the way that they have done in the past. Uh, that new uh, approaches are, are required. Everybody realizes this. Um, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, this is the, the time to stop and think about it. And, and I'm, I'm actually encouraged. Um, I don't know, uh, of course, you know, uh, what the truth is, but somebody I've heard say, 
that one third of young people, that's 18 to 30s in, in the UK, uh, have t tuned in to church services on, or religious programs online. Uh, well, mm -hmm. they certainly don't darken the door of a church. Um, and you mm -hmm. say, say to yourself, well, you know, what does this mean? Um, you know, is this potential? I don't say that it's revival. We don't, we can't know that yet. Um, but surely here there's something that, you know, is changing. Um, and uh, you may remember that, you know, just before the lockdown occurred, there was all this um, argy-bargy about uh, Franklin Graham and, you know, whether he should be allowed to carry on his crusades and so on. Um, and, and that mm -hmm. kind of got plowed under by the, by, by the lockdown. Um, and, and now you see, I think people are saying, well, that kind of evangelism, you know, getting everybody into a big auditorium and, 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 and preaching at them, um, that might have been fine in the 1950s before people had television and so on. Um, but now with internet and, and online connection and, and whatnot, uh, that that approach may have had its day. Uh, you know, we, we need to do something different. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm not laying down the law on this. I'm not saying that, you, you know, this must happen and it must happen like this. But at least we've got to the point now where uh, where people are, ha are being forced to rethink. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. out of that, who knows? Uh, we may have we may see, see see great things. I certainly hope so. Well, I hope so, too. I mean, you're, you're right about say that the Franklin Graham thing, uh, you know, at the 1950s, Billy Graham comes, fills Haringey, mm -hmm. fills, you know, Hamden in Glasgow for six weeks in a row. Right. Two decades ago, we had Franklin Graham come to McDermott Stadium in Perth, which holds 10,000. Mm -hmm. And we were struggling to get half that number in, despite a vast amount of money spent yeah. um, for a week. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I think it would be even worse today. That was two decades ago. Can I read you just your own words? Um, the experience of a worldwide pandemic is a reminder of these things, an opportunity for Christians to unmask the materialism and atheism of our time for the deceptions they are. So that's just reinforcing what you've been saying. You see this as an opportunity for the gospel, not the end of it. Yes, absolutely. And somehow or other, I think maybe it requires this kind of upheaval, you know, for for people to to go back to basics and and uh, you know just trust in the Lord for the future. Um, and mm -hmm. you undoubtedly noticed um, that when I came to <coughs> to say think to myself, you know, what is the most appropriate thing that I can find to conclude the book as a whole. Um, I was driven back to Samuel Rutherford, um, you know, in prison just before he was supposedly going to be executed, but he died, in, you know, before that could happen, um, writing to one of his colleagues and, uh, you know, to encourage him and saying, I, you know, I know you're alone, but you're not alone because the Lord Jesus is with you. Um, you know, and, and in his own glorious way, he will shine in the Isle of Britain. And I thought this this may be where we're at. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the outward appearance is is one of despair, is one of loss, is one of um, uh, darkness. I mean, nobody knows what you know what's going to happen. Um, and, and and yet the Lord is is sovereign, and uh, you know 
we in the church who love to to tell God what to do um, may have to you know s sit back and listen um, to the still small voice and and um, and take it from there. Isn't that the advantage though of your book? Because when we look back at the history, mm. we say, "Hang on a minute, we've been here before." Yes, and God worked then. So, mm -hmm. you know, you've got the plagues like we. I mean, COVID nineteen is trivial compared with the plagues that many of our forefathers knew. Oh yes, and yet look what God did in that time. Yes, that's right. And uh, <laughs> you know, and and I think that this is this is the hope we have. Um, uh, you know, we. Life on Earth is never going to be easy, um, uh, and I mean our generation, uh, you know, has has been mesmerized by prosperity, um, and <laughs> affluence, and we we've been allowed to think that this is somehow normal, um, and yet mm -hmm. I I think back to you know my parents or my grandparents, uh, who lived through war, who lived through depression, who uh, you know lived through poverty and and. Uh, and so on, um, and, and who would not be phased by this. Um, you know, I had to confess that lockdown last year um, was the first time in my life that I'd, I'd really been deprived of, of what I'd got used to um, in a mm -hmm. serious way. Um, whereas, I, I mean, I, I know my parents would be laughing at that, um, you know, <laughs> in their youth. Um, you know, queuing up for rationing was, was normal. <laughs> they, yeah. they didn't expect the shops to be open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we'll come on to the shops in a minute because I've got another quote I want to ask you about before we finish. But um, yes, my, my mother-in-law from the island of Lewis, mm. uh, before she died, I remember her telling me that she was a wonderful, godly woman. She said, you know, when we give, we say grace at meals, people today either don't do it or it's very, you know, superficial. She said, but in the 1930s, when we gave thanks for our food, mm. we really did because we didn't know where the next meal was coming from. Exactly. And was it going to be herring yet again? Exactly. You know, so for me, that was a very enlightening conversation to have with her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask you about uh, the fascinating, well, one of the many things I've highlighted uh, on page 593, despite Mrs. Thatcher's personal faith, Secularization made great strides during her premiership. She presided over the loosening of the Sunday trading laws, which was an important step in the de-Christianization of the traditional day of rest. Uh, by contrast, Tony Blair's beliefs seem to have influenced his policies, at least to some extent. That's fascinating. Would you, do you want to say anything further about that? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I've always been very bothered by the tendency in Christian circles to assume that the Conservative Party is somehow more Christian than Labour. Um, I mean, in reality, not my true opinion, I don't think either of them is particularly Christian. Um, uh, <laughs> you know that they're, they're, they're governed by other considerations. Um, but there are, there are people with Christian beliefs and Christian principles who are working within, within them uh, in different ways. And uh, I mean, uh, I want to be charitable and I would say, well, you know, both Margaret Thatcher and Tony Blair um, made a profession of Christianity in some way or other um, and, uh, and and spoke about it. Uh, you know, they weren't afraid to speak about it um, uh, on occasion. And uh, just to say, well, uh, 
you know, there you have this on the one hand, but then you also have the policies of the government, um, you know, which which are very much harder to to read, harder to discern, um, and mm-hmm. uh, you you can't just uh, say, well, you know, vote Tory, you're voting for God, and vote Labour, you're voting for the devil, um, you know, something mm-hmm. like this. Um, it's it's not that simple. Now, I mean, I, I, I don't go the other way. I mean, I don't I don't say that you know, <laughs> the Labour Party is 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 salvation, um, and the Tory Party is evil. I don't believe that either. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't believe that that any political party, um, you know, is the answer. Um, and of course, in a in a democracy, uh, you're always going to have uh, you know some kind of alternation. It's important that you have differences of opinion and so on, um, and it's important that Christian voices be heard on all sides. I think that, mm-hmm. that, that's what we need. And just trying to sort of say that you know don't don't sell yourself to politics. And I think probably I was influenced uh, there um, by Donald Trump. Uh, as, as much as anything else, you know, trying to co-opt the evangelical world in the United States to, to his banner, um, you know, and it was quite obviously wrong. Um, and then you go back and think, well, you know, where has this come from? And um, uh, in, in Britain, it's been very, in, in the U.S., of course, you know, you can't get elected to any office without claiming to be Christian um, uh, in some way or other, and so the whole thing is prostituted. Um, in the UK, that's been very rare. Um, uh, you know, the the, the, the beliefs of, of leading states, statesmen, um, we, we haven't really heard much about this uh, mm-hmm. o- over the years. I mean, Gladstone, I think, was the last prime minister um, who who was really known, um, you know, for his Christian beliefs, uh, uh, you know, odd as they might have been in some ways. He nevertheless, you know, had that commitment. Um, and then Margaret Thatcher really, really brought it back in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, she went and addressed the Church of Scotland and uh, and so on. Which, you know, how many prime ministers would have done that? Um, so, mm-hmm. I, and I don't. I don't criticize her for that. I think, you know, that, that she did that. That was her beliefs and so on, and that's fine. Um, but but let's not put all our eggs in that basket. Yeah, and, you know, that particular quote there, I, what I was interested in as well, you know, being a good Scottish, well, maybe not Sabbatarian, but mm-hmm. Lord's Day person. Uh, it's another, you know, you're Anglican. I, I work for the Anglicans here mm-hmm. in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And um, it's another Anglican bishop, Bishop Ryle, who uh, said, and, and I thought it was an extreme statement, but I'm becoming more inclined towards it. He said, uh, a nation that loses the Lord's day mm-hmm. will lose Christianity. Mm-hmm. And part of what you said there is that ironically, Mrs. Thatcher, who claimed to be a Christian, helped in the secularization of society, which has helped undermine Christianity. Is that a correct analysis. Yeah, that's right. And I think because uh, it, it's the old thing that I start the book in the preface, you know, the um, uh, quoting some 19th century person, um, uh, John Bowring, who was the governor of Hong Kong, uh, you know, uh, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ is free trade. And Margaret, <laughs> and Margaret Thatcher said something like that. Um, you know, she said something about the gospel is freedom of choice or something like this. 
and I mean clearly associating it with you know capitalism and and and, and, and that kind of thing and of course if you if you push it down that line um, you know Sunday trading uh, why not uh, you, you know it's of economic benefit and, and so on and uh, from that point of view um, and, and I think that's not right uh, you know it's uh, having observed it uh, in, in my own lifetime and seen the change um, I, I you know I, I think that we are suffering from it you know, uh, our time has gone very, very quickly. I, I do want to read this paragraph, which um, I, as I went on with the book, I kept, when you get a yes, an exclamation mark, you know, that's a hallelujah in my terms. So <laughs> the, the, my, the, last, the last pages were filled with these. Um, but this one in particular, I, I thank you for this because you, I, I felt this and didn't really know how to express it. This is what you've said. The belief that Christian doctrine has been determined by obsolete cultural context, context and must therefore be replaced is one of the greatest intellectual challenges the church has ever had to face. It is particularly serious when church leaders claim that their novel ideas proceed from the Holy Spirit. How do they know that? The only way we can know the mind of the Holy Spirit is by searching the scriptures. But if the scriptures are effectively, effectively neutered by a new hermeneutic, what good will that do? The great irony of our time is that although the Bible has never been more readily available in a plethora of translations, ignorance of its contents and message has never been so extensive either. Like Israel in the time of the judges, everyone thinks what is right in his or her own eyes, and there is no recognized authority to put them straight." Mm. That is brilliant. I assume you also apply that to the church. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that that's our biggest problem. Yeah, it is. It is very much our biggest problem. Jared, I, I, I really, I mean, I, I sound so sycophantic. I'm quite a cynic, to be honest, about <laughs> things. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you into a wee secret. I started this book and I, I honestly did not start off thinking, I'm going to really like this. Right. And and I got into it more and more and more as I was going on. And by the time it finished, it, it, it is, it's, let me put it this way. This is me saying it as a Scotsman. If I hadn't been given it as a review copy, I'd be going out to buy one right now. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> that's, that, that's good um, to hear. <laughs> and I want to encourage people to, you know, you're listening to this or if, if you're watching this, I want to encourage people to, to get this book. You will learn a great deal from it. It, at times, it is amusing. It is very well written. Um, and for me, spiritually, it's very challenging. So can I thank you, sir, for all your work into this book? It was, it's was it been so worthwhile. Thank you very much. It's an evangelistic book, uh, and I hope that people will, yeah. will, will understand that. Yes, I think exactly. Anyone interested in the history, uh, the history of the United Kingdom, needs to understand the history of Christianity. Mm -hmm. I would give this to my non-Christian friends and say, who are historians or who are interested yes. and say, you want to understand Britain, read this. Right. And then when they read this, I hope they'll understand the gospel as well. Absolutely. That's the aim of the book. So, Well, God bless you, brother. Uh, great to talk to you. you. And uh, one day, hopefully, we might even see you in Australia again. Well, I hope so. I was there in, uh, uh, well, our summer, uh, sort of August of 2019, um, so mm -hmm. if you you see all my friends at Moore College and around there, say hello, and 
you know, when Australia opens up again, I hope to be able to return. Yeah, that's where I work, by the way. My office is in is in Moore College. Oh, is so, it? Um, it's 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 right at the edge, just um, as as if you were heading down towards uh, the the main station. We're on the right. We're at the far end of it. You so you'd go past the main entrance and you'd keep going, and then the last building. It's where Philip Jensen is oh, yeah. with his okay. two ways ministry. Right, right, right. I'm, and we. Mm-hmm. We're in there. We have ENC. So oh. anyway, I'm sure any listeners to this as well, you're welcome to visit us too. Right. So can I just thank you again and God bless you and God bless those who are listening as well. Mm-hmm.